0: soto here along with george batista as always welcome to counterparts where we spotlight conversations on creative minds inspirational minds and people that are doing stuff george and i were just talking about that we love people that are doing stuff and today we have barbara and i'm gonna uh, me and george we're, we're practicing the pronunciation and she's gonna correct us but DiPietro, hopefully that is correct we're gonna ask her but barbara's gonna be on today she's gonna be talking about uh, a lot of things having to do with homelessness and her work, her amazing work that she's been doing for over 25 years. And we're very excited to have her on here. So please come on back and stay tuned because it's gonna be a fun one. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'm so transparent. I just say that pronunciation. I could have just said it and not said anything, right? But no. Yeah, of course. To, but
1: you know, but you're, to, you're
0: you. I have to. I'm me. I'm me. <laughs> uh, so, George, thank you very much uh, for being here, as always. And uh, we have a sponsor that we're going to take care of. So please take it away. Well,
1: thank you for inviting me, John. Um you're welcome. Yes, we're going to talk about a sponsor. But b- before I, I get to that, I just want to congratulate you, John. You just had a film... Right. Uh-huh. That actually was nominated at a film festival. Did you just mention that for a second? Yes. Though.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was at the uh, uh Nashville Independent Film Festival and it's semi-finalist for uh uh nice. original uh narrative short. So I'm very excited. So thank you. I appreciate that, dude.
1: Absolutely. Well, congratulations to you, sir. Job thank well you. done on that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so as all of you know who watched this show, The Counterpart Show is brought to you by Wellness Resources, a family-owned and operated nutritional supplement company providing the highest quality clinically formulated supplements since 1985. Find out why Wellness Resources supplements are the top choice of guys like me and health-conscious individuals around the world. Make sure you go to myvitaminresource.com. And if you enter the promo code counterparts, you will get free shipping on all orders. So make sure you check it out. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about our guest. We're very excited to have Ms. Barbara DiPietro here today. So a little bit about Barbara. She's been working uh, in healthcare and wholeness policy for 25 years in both the public and and nonprofit sector. She holds a master's degree in policy sciences and a PhD in public policy, both from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. For 10 years, she worked for the state of Maryland and the governor's office, as well as the Department of Health, helping coordinate health and human services policy and legislation, interagency children and family service, and the state's 10 year plan to end homelessness. For the last 13 years, she has been the Senior Director of Policy for the National Health Care for the Homeless Council. And in this role, she focuses on national uh, policies that advance the human rights to housing and health care and end homelessness. She is based at the Health Care for the Homeless program in Baltimore City, and we are very excited to have her on the show. It's going to be a great conversation. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Barbara, DPH row. Oh,
2: Thanks guys. Thanks so much for having
0: me. All right. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. You, you know, it's always it's always intimidating when there's someone that's very smart on the show.
2: Oh so my. Prefer- no, let's <laughs> operate under no illusions there. Don't ask me to do a math problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Me too, right? Yes,
2: yeah. two trains leave a station I immediately melt. Oh yeah. my god. I can't even help <laughs> my daughter. I can't help my it.
1: daughter with her homework so for yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, that's uh that's comforting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um so we, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to join us. Uh this is an honor to have you on here. Um it's something that, you know, we you know, I work with the, with the organization that you're with as well, the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council. And um, it's, it's always been, um, it's an honor for me to actually to participate in, in the meetings and to hear because it's a new space for me, you know, so I'm learning so much about what's happening in that and having different perspectives and hearing everything, you know, it's just really a, a great, from, you know, to to be on on that side of it now. So I'm very, very uh, excited for our conversation. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Jorge um, Batista, my 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 cousin, and he's going to start us off with a question and then from there on, we're just going to
1: Rock and roll.
2: Rock and roll. Okay.
1: Absolutely. So, again, for those folks who who are are not familiar with you, I want to start out with how you got started in the industry. Let's tell us a little bit about your background and kind of go from there.
2: Sure. Well, which industry? Uh, In healthcare or in homelessness? There's a lot of uh,
0: industries. Either or. (laughs) Yeah. Well, both, I guess. Let's
2: start with with healthcare because that that came first. But really, um, An accident, like a lot of people, you had no idea what you want to do in life and tumble through until it all kind of starts to click. And some people know what they want to do from the day one. And I had no idea what I wanted to do still, even when I graduated college. Mm -hmm. Um, But you find yourself taking jobs that you wouldn't have thought of. I ended up working in chemical weapons destruction. For oh, a, wow. a contractor in the US military wow. and found myself at the age of 24, you know, with a, a secret clearance and 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 working on yeah, like <laughs> you end up being an editor and nobody thinks about this kind of stuff in yeah. the that you know, all the people with secret clearances are like you know, the uppity up. But think about the word processors like me, the editors, the people who empty the trash can. They all have to have a secret clearance to be in these spaces sometimes. I
0: never thought about that like Iron Iron Man and his and that whole (laughs) that whole thing that he does you have to have clearance to get in there you can't just walk in and no matter where you work
2: that's so interesting. The kind of thing that you find yourself doing and then you're like wait, wait 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 hang on this isn't what I wanted to do and I always had this idea that I wanted to go into the Peace Corps and so I was like you know what I'm gonna stop the ride I want to get off and so I ended up going into Peace Corps and doing maternal child health in, in, in Southeast Africa in the country of Malawi. And while I was there, I delivered babies and, and, and did immunizations and lived in a, in a little village with, with a family that, that taught me everything and stripped away um, my illusions of what privilege were, was. And I really saw with new eyes what poverty looked like and what uh, what real need was in the world. And this was really eye-opening for a, a white suburban girl like me from Harford County. Uh, this was wholly new. And so, yeah, that's where you kind of just tumble into um, what you thought you wanted and it, it ended up being a whole lot more.
0: Wow. That's amazing. You know, my, my wife was in the Peace Corps. She was in a, she was in Kyrgyzstan.
2: Oh, okay. A very different experience. Yeah.
0: He <laughs> taught English there and, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's got some stories of that. Um, you do get a completely different perspective, and she tells me these stories, and I'm like, holy cow. I mean, that is – we don't realize. I mean, we, I, I do. I, get, I mean, I guess as you get older and you've been through – I've been through certain things myself, so you do kind of appreciate and you do understand certain, but there's another level of it that yes. you just cannot comprehend unless you're really there.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, my family had struggles, but – it's all in context in comparison to what right. yeah.
0: yeah exactly wow. so so
2: yeah from there it, it ends up being that you end up better understanding public health and social determinants of health and and what poverty looks like and what are the structural influences to all of this and my mind started working a lot more so that when i came back i i really purposely put myself on a path of uh working in healthcare care and, and human services and you tumble into political service by accidentally applying for a job at the governor's office as like an wow. assistant to the governor. And weirdly, without any political like work on his campaign, I got the job and boom, this is what sets you in another direction of politics and public service.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And yeah. did, you, you just, yeah, you're right, because you don't realize it. I mean, I, I don't know if I really know what I want to do yet. So I'm still kind of, <laughs> right. I'm it's still, a whole journey. I'm still searching, but but I mean that's what life's all about, right? it's, it's about living and experiencing yeah. things and then running into things and be like, oh, that's interesting. I had no idea. And then going yeah. in that direction, you know, and you follow your 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 heart. Um, when when did you was that something that was um, at at an early age? And let's let's go back. That's cool. Go back. Well, at an early age, did you it feel? I'm gonna be
2: telling you about my relationship with my mother. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: You yes, have a couch talk, you can lay down on.
1: I have my pad ready. Let's talk. About
0: <laughs> so, but is that something that that? What was your experience? You know, when you were growing up, did you have any any type of a, a, a awareness that you wanted to go into that type of industry at some point, or or even just the purpose to want to help?
2: You know, I, looking back, no. I was not so oriented to social justice uh, growing right. up. Um, through high school though, um, it probably doesn't surprise you to know, John, I was a little bit of a geek in high school and so I was on the debate team. <laughs> and so this is where you like really learn to to yeah. to um, educate about serious issues. And it's there that I was just like, wait a second, there's really some issues that are Important and so, but the idea of service or how you could really operationalize that as part of a career—I don't really think I knew about those kind of careers and advocacy and 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 service like that. It it, yeah. it just wasn't something that kind of you know really struck you as as an area that you could grow into as yeah. a job.
0: Yeah. So it really was the the Peace Corps that really instilled that that yeah. understanding of the need that that you can the need and the, and the
2: possibility right. for change also right. like right. how is it that you can organize and affect change even in small ways mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. that's interesting in, in i from uh, sorry George. i know you have a question <laughs> 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 we do this a lot i just started yeah. uh, rambling um, so i'm i lived in bayonne new jersey for about uh, 9 years and i worked with some of the the political figures there and i worked on their campaigns and stuff and in you know, you really you're right, you know, in small ways, it seems like in a big way, it's like you can't see big change because you're talking about, oh, we're spending, you know, four hundred trillion dollars on this. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what? But mm. when you're when you really can be in there, you can actually see change like, OK, we need this park fixed because kids can get hurt. This thing. And then suddenly people gather and then there's policies and then people write things and then money comes and then the park gets fixed and now we have a park. And those kinds of things are really exciting. Do you remember when you actually were in there for the first time and you saw an actual change on something that you contributed?
2: Yeah, um, it was when I was in Peace Corps and um, uh, the rains would come and I worked at a a health clinic. And and so uh, there were no beds and women and their children would literally sleep in puddles and it was crazy. And then we wondered why malaria was so endemic. Right. Um, and so I wrote a grant and and got some beds and we worked with with a local welder and the welder built a bunch of beds and we were able to improve the conditions of this clinic. And it just seemed like such a very small thing, but yet very tangible to the 15 women living in that ward.
0: Yeah. And probably some, some they probably had tears in their eyes when they saw an actual, an actual bed. <sighs> I mean,
2: well, I hope they were able to rest better, too. We were able to get all new mattresses and and bedding. And that actually ended up being from the Lions Club International. Wow. Yeah. That's That's amazing. A little plug for Lions Club International. Yes. (laughs)
0: They
2: they gave a Peace Corps volunteer who literally was writing them a letter on uh, if you'll. uh, Okay, are you guys old enough to remember? um,
0: Yes, I'm sure um, I am.
2: You know, and you would oh, yeah. write letter. Okay, yes. Right. Yes. So it's actually yes. letters where you would write out with carbon paper with, <laughs> with candles at night. Like this was what you did in Peace yeah. Corps. And, and wow. yeah, things that aren't in the brochure. But but there are charities out there that will actually work with you and you can see real tangible things at that at that level. Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: I always wonder if somebody who who, who goes who you know, goes to Peace Corps and, you know, has who does stuff like that how is your was your family supportive of it did they were they you know did they did they think you were crazy or did they think it was amazing you know how how, what kind of support did you have
2: uh it's funny my father did not understand why i was quitting a perfectly good paying job to earn nothing by going overseas to Mm. work in a country that he had never heard of before so right right. less and he was just so excited that his daughter, who had gotten an English degree, which he did not think was a very good idea, uh, was actually gainfully employed. So he did not understand this was a very logical step for me. My mother, though, had done um, a volunteer project with the Catholic Church when she was a young nurse. And actually, she really kind of credited herself as being the, the one who instilled that desire in me.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, so. I mean, that That is like so important, though, because, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about like, if I told my grandma, my grandparents raised me. I tell my—I think my grandmother would flip out. Wait, you're doing what? You know, <laughs> right. what? Got,
2: why? What are you doing?
0: Yeah, she got mad when I moved to New York with roommates. She
2: thought
0: I was, <laughs> so, so, you know, I was like, "Do you have a question, George?" Or no, I, yeah, I, yeah. can I go on?
1: <laughs> go, go on. But I no, but it's, it's true though. If you think about it, like you you, you think about that. Because we're taught, you know, OK, you got to get the job, you got to get the degree, you got to get this. And then all of a sudden yeah. you do that. And I'm, I know my mother would be would have been like, yeah, what? <laughs> she would have been flipping
0: out. But I think it's also purpose. You know, like I remember when I moved to New York to and by New York, I mean Manhattan. I lived in the Bronx, still New York, but Manhattan was like another country. Um, and when I moved there, I remember it was purpose. You know, it was something that I was really passionate about. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be where the music was. I wanted to be where there was things happening. And it was just something that I knew was the right thing to do. You know, and right. I knew that I that I was going to go from a home where I didn't have to pay a lot of money because I was living at home to mm. where I had to work, you know, sometimes three jobs at times, you know, to just, exactly. just to pay uh, the rent. So um, the purpose is really a huge thing. And I want to touch upon that a little bit. Yes. Um, there's so much. You know, there's there's a balance. I wouldn't even call it a balance. It's somewhat like a divide. When you look at uh, what's happening on the news and what's happening in certain, and then you, I'm on social media, so I, I'm working on social media platforms. Then I go to TikTok and everybody's just dancing. It's like, I'm like, don't you know what's going on? And it's like, and they have like 10 million followers, and they they're not really doing. And and I'm and I and it just boggles my mind on purpose, like. What what, can you talk a little bit about that just from your experience on dealing with so many people in policy on purpose and how it changes from individuals and what do you gravitate towards?
2: So, yeah, interesting to ask about purpose, this idea of how are people driven in their work and where do they find passion? And it's very interesting where one person's passion is is not necessarily the others. And so, you know, you you find yourself um, gravitating toward people who share the same passion as you or, or who are in passion-driven work. And I think it does tend to, um, certainly gives you the fortitude during difficult, um, times. Like I, I feel like we're in now. Um, and I think when you talk about TikTok and you talk about like this idea of like, all these people are like living their lives and having a wonderful time when there's a peril going on and, Hey everybody mm-hmm. do you, do, you, do you see do you see what's going on here yeah right but yet human beings have an immense capacity to be able to separate themselves out from either there's a level of denial or let's be let's face it even people who were working on the front lines of social justice every day we know how to party and 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 let go right so you know how is it that you're balancing and 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 finding the idea of like Every individual will find their own calibration and how much passion they can work in without needing to have that balance of uh, fun and frivolity. It's right. hard doing homeless healthcare work, and right. uh, you got it. Mean, you've yeah. got to be able to bring it up and and toss it off because otherwise, yeah, it it tends to bring it. To, it it can eat at you after a while.
0: It, yeah it can yeah, um, and also the purpose has to be you have to be able to do that make that split and kind of separate yourself because then your purpose gets more defined mm. it becomes this one thing you're you you become that thing and then you're just you're kind of like not not knowing where you're going but if you really are able to kind of like like you said you got a party i'm gonna but now it's time to work then the purpose becomes more and more clearer and you're like okay now i'm at work and it's sort of like when we when at our events our conferences and and you know it's like you see everyone like really driven but everybody's having fun You know, I see the email, you know, we're going back and forth. It's you have to make, you have to have that in there, or else you can really lose it.
2: Well, I think really the central question is how is it that we find joy in the struggle for justice? Uh, And so, you know, and so what you described, like at our conferences, finding connection, like isn't that purpose? So, whether that's connection in your friends while you're hiking, or whether that's connection in the work that you're doing during the day. it's right. how is it and so we're we got we got philosophical really fast if we talk about yeah. like we do just, we do that here we do that right so yeah. so like when we talk about finding purpose what if purpose and is our human connection to each other whether that's in the, in in the work or in the joy or in both uh right. i think that's that's the secret to finding the sweet spot
0: yeah that's actually um i wouldn't say a trick but that is where you want to actually find that's what that's the uh, the goal to get to yeah.
1: But it's interesting, though, because sometimes because if like, for example, take the last two and a half, three years that we've been through, right, probably more people now are finding purpose Mm. because of what we've went through than prior. Right. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. takes the things that happen in life or, you know, in society to say, you know what, what am I doing?
0: Yeah. You know, you
1: know, and and life is fragile. Life is brief. We should, I got to get to what I'm. So I think even, I mean, even for John and I, we started this show during the pandemic because we were like, you know what, what are we doing? Let's, let's do something together. So some part of that also comes from this, this thing. Like I, like I say, and unfortunately, like I'm in healthcare as well, uh, especially especially as a health coach. And I see people who come to me only when they've had a diagnosis of something. Mm -hmm. Right. But meanwhile, before that, you they would never touch me you know they would they wouldn't call me at all but as soon as they something happens then they call me so a lot of people sometimes get driven out of that right
0: yeah i think we've had a lot of people on the show so they get challenged you know we're were challenged and even not just during the the last two years but in their lives there was a moment where something happened right where they hit something and they just decided whoa what am i what's happening here? You know, I've had like at least three or four of those in my life, you know, where you're like, man, you had to wake up because you get into this workaday world and, you know, you're just getting up, you're going to work. You know, the next thing yep. you know, you're like, well, oh, two years just went by and I'm miserable. What, what, What's going on? And
2: being forced that's, to reevaluate.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's exactly. an
2: opportunity for something, exactly. for something new.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah, we do a, a, a get philosophical here. Oh,
2: very yeah, good.
0: Very, yeah. Yeah. We love doing that. Yeah, It's <laughs> deep. So I wanted to ask you. Um, it's very difficult to to talk about these subjects without getting into the po- political world of it, which we don't do on the show. But it's very difficult not to, you know, at some point. Um, is there something that you feel is not covered enough on both sides of the spectrum? Like something that you think in in the uh, the healthcare and the uh, in the homelessness space? Is there something that you like? Nobody talks about this.
2: Um, one thing in the idea of what, let's just say the left and the right, um, so the right doesn't talk honestly enough about how our healthcare system is financed and the, and the pitfalls of how we do it right now, the wastefulness that they say that they're so against and all of the, you know, cognitive dissonance and, and even, you know, I'm going to say hy- hypocrisy on right. that side. Right. At the same time, I think that the left is also not honest with all of the ways that our healthcare system would need to change um, in order for that to happen, um, and uh, is not honest enough with some of the struggles that a new system would inherently bring. And mm-hmm. so at the same time, there is no having a discussion anymore that feels constructive and, and, and based on reasoned, reasoned thought. And yeah, so yeah. we kind of retreated to these 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 polar sides that I think obviously end up being tedious for everyone and not constructive to moving us forward.
0: Right. I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, have you ever thought of running for a for a for, for office? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, only when my husband and I joke around because DiPietro is actually a, an old um, school political name in Baltimore City. And so oh. we've often mm-hmm. joked that either one of us could run for office, and right. just the name alone recognition. But I have to say, um, one of the key reasons I would, would not be interested in running for office, one is uh, I'm far too opinionated. And when, you, when you're when you a political figure, you really kind of have to do that yeah. kind of yes. you know, little yes. dance. And right. I, just, I wouldn't have the patience for that. Right. So I would last like two minutes. And then I would say something, and then you know, so then it wouldn't work. Right. Um, but you know what? The campaign <laughs> fundraising is enough to make the whole job miserable. And yeah. this is one of the things, too, in our in our system that, that would need to change, in my opinion, is there's holding office and representing your people. And then there's the money, the money fundraising part of it. Yeah. And sometimes you're good at representing people and terrible at fundraising. And then that means you're not getting reelected. Sometimes it means you're really great at fundraising and terrible at representing your people. And those folks get reelected. Right. So that's part of the problem too, is how we finance our, our, our our public systems of voting.
0: Yeah. Maybe education, you know, like, um, you know, I don't know if it's really taught enough to in, in high school, to to you know just how the political system works so they can get those skills of fundraising yeah. and and being able to operate as a as a as a figure, you know, somebody that for the people.
2: But yeah, we and, and what you think about it, like as civics, you know, probably what right. they called it when we were going That's
0: through They used to call it, yeah.
2: So much of that, but But when you think about this, what is the conversation around what our children are learning in school right now in this country? Right. Yeah. So like, that's a, that's a whole, whole you know, of its own. (laughs) And so when you, but yes, to your point about how do we teach about how government works? Yeah. And one of the things that I learned, uh, when I was working for the Maryland governor is, um, one of the things you learn is that when you're one of the special assistants, um, you're the one who does a lot of the constituent calls. So when people call in all pissed off about something, I want to talk to the governor, they get routed to people like me. Oh, God, and so I'd be goodness. like, you know, hello, well, you know, you know <laughs> Governor Glenn Denning's office, can I help right. you kind of thing? And people didn't understand what the governor even did. So they would call us with their Medicare issues, for example, hmm. and you would try to explain to them, oh, let me connect you to the federal office that handles this. No, I want to talk to the governor. And when you try to explain to them what the governor can control and can't control right and over and over and over and this is just like one you know hotline into the governor's office but when you don't know how the system works you can very easily be led to believe anything
0: right so education is always a really really key factor
2: it really is really and and not even politics but just right. structurally.
0: The structure. Yeah. How yeah. things work. How, the, the... how
2: how does government work? Right. right. Executive branch. Legislative branch. Right. right. Um, how a bill becomes a law. And yeah. I was like going uh, yeah, um, to say. Yeah. PBS. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, I remember <laughs> watching that as a kid and, and you know, remembering that.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's interesting because I'm I, you know my, my daughter was learning she's 15 and she's learning all that stuff in her in her in school and stuff like that and I, I was watching her do her homework and all that type of stuff but but then you you, know, you think about it like when I learned that in school, okay, fine, I went through and I learned that. but then one of the things that you get swallowed up in is media. You get you know every people get swallowed up in media and all of a sudden that kind of goes out the window and it's everything that media says that the government is. Right. Or whatever right. the the right or the left, and all of a sudden that you know, and and then that is more of an influence on your voting decisions and yeah. your decisions in general than what you learn in school, right? Yes, it's it's a little bit crazy.
0: Because even that schoolhouse rock song was just how a bill gets
2: right becomes a law. How that's right. it. There was That's nothing
0: it, yeah. in it. There was nothing in it leaning in any way. It was just how Bill gets law.
2: Maybe we should uh, make another song. and like, yeah. what comes next?
0: <laughs> exactly. It should be a long song. I'll, I'll get my guitar. Hold on. <laughs> you should write it. Good. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You know, I, it's, it's, it's sad too, you know, because I, I know that there's a lot of young minds out there that would actually really eat this up like and really understand it and duplicate it and be able to go out and really make an impact rather than being... You know directed or kind of maneuvered into an, an, an area so that's always yep. a, a, mm-hmm. a um something that's kind of annoying um but if you if you do decide you ever want to run for office i did social media for uh, one of for three, <laughs> three different campaigns all, all one i'm three you know so <laughs> nice nice <laughs> it's hard <laughs> being
2: an elected it's hard being no, a it, public it, office. Listen, i don't I'm, envy people who don't no, have yeah, any privacy to oh my goodness even just look at what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. I mean, right? It's just, right. It's I mean, a crazy world out there now.
0: It's crazy. I was in off, you know, in offices and with in meetings and listening to what was going on, and and I would be there for the actual conversation, and then you go out, and then there's something else being put out there, and I'm like, wait a minute, no, I was there. That's not mm-hmm. what happened, you know, and. That was part of the uh, the the reason why I, I was actually a, a, an elected committee member, actually, for a, for a term. And I left because I thought, you know, I, I have a family and I didn't want my name got brought into something really ugly. At one point it was posted and it was like a complete lie. It was it was really over the top crazy. And I thought, wow, I said, this is this is what. It is, you know, I mean, this is part of the, the game, unfortunately, you know, and so I just decided to, to bow out. But, um, all right, it's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't get me started. Um, so I'm, I, gonna I
2: staff, I'm good to be staff to elected officials, that's, right. what
0: I'm, yeah. <laughs> that's what I did. Yeah, I did, I did that. I did the uh, social the media, minus. right? I was behind the camera, I was like, you know, so that was, that was totally doable. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about. Your current position now, um, what's one of the biggest challenges that you run into?
2: Oh, wow. Uh, lack of hours in the day to tackle everything that needs to be done.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: But I think mm-hmm. that probably is not a unique problem. Right. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think probably, uh, I mean, I guess when you're, when you're, when that's the actual problem <laughs> of yeah. healthcare. You know, homelessness it's it's a big, big, big task, you know. Um, do you what what keeps you up at night? Like you're like, Oh, I have to get like this is the one thing that I know I have to get done.
2: Oh, that task oriented things that don't keep me up at night. Um, what keeps me up at night is worrying about the policy direction of the country.
0: Policy direction, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That keeps me up. Yeah. And I mean I've seen I mean I, I grew up in the Bronx and um I remember what was happening there i did experience homelessness for as a teenager so i had that you know understanding um policies just seem to be more helpful <laughs> i don't know if, if if that makes sense uh but i just remember and i'm not going to talk about specific times because they're still kind of difficult to talk about but there were times that i remember someone there helping you know in that was, there was a program and I went and my parent, my my mom went and my brother and sisters and we went and we got the actual help we needed that day. And we were able mm-hmm. to go back home and be able to eat and be able to, and it was a, an, an, it was a quick thing. And I'm not saying that, that that's gone. I don't know if that's gone. I've been out of, you know, I left there when I was 21, 22 years old and haven't really gone back into that world. But, Talk a little bit about policy. Talk a little bit about, about how that's structured for you and how do you, what, what are those challenges? Like, what are we looking at right now? Because it looks, I mean, if you, if you turn on the news, well, you know, you might as well just crash into the sun because that's, yeah. you know, but what are you being there on the ground seeing it? You know, what, what are those, cha- you know, talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Sure, I think one of the biggest things is the battle over health insurance. Um, And so Medicaid is really the biggest um, health insurance program that we care about uh, because it it covers the folks who are poor. um, But you've got very different views about the future of this program, whether you're in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And so right now, as we're battling over the midterm election and control of the Senate and control of the House and all of that, even though you've got a Democratic president, uh, when you have Republican control of either of those houses, And you change from a Democratic um, leadership to a Republican one, there's a lot of things that will change along with that because they're going to bring in a different agenda. One of those agendas is to to fundamentally change Medicaid. And for the people that we serve, uh, people in the healthcare for the homeless community, uh, that's not going to be in their best interest. So that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to um, advocate against and really build support for Medicaid, because fundamental changes um, to that program would really be catastrophic for folks. Wow. Wow.
1: that's Unbelievable. Are you, is there any specific things that you're looking at as far as changes in that, in that direction or.
2: Yeah. So right now, um, Medicaid is what's called an entitlement program, much like Medicare or social security or food stamps, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, and then every state gets a certain percentage of money from the federal government. And then there's a certain percentage of money from the state government. And that's makes it whole. Um, some states pay more than others, depending on whether they're wealthier or, or not. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, you've got money comes in. You've got so many people who are in your program. You get money for that, those number of people in your program. The policy direction that's most um, concerning is turning that into a block grant, which means that states will get a check at the beginning of the year that says, well, this is how much money we're going to give you for your Medicaid program. You live within that. Now, you think about your own household, and you think yeah. if someone writes you a check on January 1st for right. your projected costs for the year, who knows what could happen? Yeah, so, absolutely. this is the kind of thing where that would really put states in a bind. And then, okay. as a consequence, they wouldn't be able to have enough money to cover as many people. And we all know what happens. That means you got to cut all the rolls, and that means you got a lot more people who are uninsured. And that's why changing it to a block grant fundamentally. Uh, unstructures the financing to it mm-hmm. and then of course you might remember um back in the last administration work requirements
1: so mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. that, we, yeah.
2: that we condition your health insurance and essentially your health care on having a job but right. we know that when you're too sick to work it's hard so you see how yeah, and like so that, that undermines right. the program and so these are the two big things that we're really worried about uh, sh- should should there be a change in leadership in either the house or the senate
0: so like I said earlier, I remember having help and being, you know, the Medicaid and, and getting that, that assistance, but there was also another thing that I remember getting also, and that was sort of counseling. Hmm. There were people that actually cared. There was this a legal aid woman, and I'll never forget mm-hmm. her, but she was, she helped us. She saved our apartment. She, um, she told us where to go for food. she, she also directed me to a school that I can go to, you know, because I was out of, out, of, out of school. I wanted to go back and get my, my equivalency and go back into school. She gave me that information. She gave me a packet. I remember it was like, and I had all this stuff, and it actually was really helpful. You know, I, I did go back to school. I went to college, and I, I got, you know, I did, I did that route because she took the time. And I don't know if those positions are there now. Because I was only 15 years old, you know. I mean, I was a high school dropout. And, you know, my, my brother and sisters were younger than me. And because of the how challenged my mother was, she couldn't really handle things at the time. Um, this was a huge load off her mind that I took it and I decided to run with it. And I applied for my Pell Grant and I applied for, and she helped me because, you know, I didn't know what well, what's my social security number i have no idea you know so she helped me with all that and it really was a, a help but this woman was you know there's a dramatic story that at some point i'll tell in, in in somewhere but there's a whole dramatic story about it and when she helped me i remember always thinking i'm so glad that this is there because mm-hmm. the help has to be there for young people to be able to grow up and be able to take responsibility at some point and say okay I can do something, I can be something, you know, the, here's my opportunity. You know, do you see that within these programs? Is that still something that you see happening?
2: Legal aid is still certainly a program. Um, but like most social safety net kinds of programs, it's woefully underfunded. And so you've got, you know, and, and, and also very locally, um, um, driven. So particularly Mm -hmm. when you talk about school resources, all of that's predicated on a lot of local school funding, local school Mm -hmm. resources. So your question about like, you know, whether school counselors still exist. Yeah. But when you look at how they're distributed and who gets access to school counselors, you get the counselors, you know, at, at, at schools here in Baltimore City, they might have like a caseload of 500 kids. And you go up to the county and you've got, you know, really nice school systems. You might have one counselor for every 10. So. You know, a lot of this is just dependent on where do we put our resources and who benefits from those resources, and we all know the answer to that.
0: It's really not fair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my! Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Let me write that down because
2: that down. That I'm going to
0: make sure that I write my next uh,
2: this article.
0: <laughs> it, it really, it really, it really is frustrating though because. Um, well, anyway, it's frustrating. George, do
1: you yeah, have a frustrating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. And, I, and uh, we we had Bobby Watts on this show, and we had you know a great conversation with him. And um, one of the things I, I I mentioned to him, and I want to kind of mention to you as well, when we're talking about homelessness in general, just you know, just kind of going back and forth on. It. And one of the things I had mentioned to him was that um, I had done some research. Well, first of all, I. I thought about this after I went to LA. Okay. I, I went to LA for the first time and really saw what was going on
2: there. Oh, it's quite And that shocking, was a lot. It?
1: Yeah. It was, it shocked me. And my wife as well. We were, we came back like, wow, we, you know, and then I started kind of really doing some deep thinking. And this was way before I, we were even going to do this show or anything like that. It was just, you know, I started doing some research. And one of the things that, you know, we talked about was, uh, getting help for, you know, substance abuse yeah, and, you know, th- that type of thing. And there's this, there was this whole notion, there was kind of a back and forth when I was watching, especially documentaries talking about should we give help? Should we help folks with uh, substance abuse problems before we provide uh, shelter? Or should we uh. provide the shelter first uh. before that? So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that.
2: Sure. Um, I would say that the goal is not shelter. The goal is housing. And Correct. so, right. uh, and so when we, we talk about housing, really, it's the cost of housing that drives homelessness. It, it's not addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. Plenty of people with substance use are housed uh, with right. mental health as well. It, like those aren't the issues. The issue is not being able to afford rent. So mm. the issue is the difference between what people earn and what rent costs. What you're looking at in LA and in California, you know it cost half a million dollars to build one unit of housing, and that's like at the at the at the minimum level. Really? Half right, a million right. dollars just for one one unit. So when I see, yes. you know, they pass these these tax measures. Oh, we're gonna set you know three and a half, you know, billion aside to build housing, I think, well, at half a million dollars a clip, that's not gonna take you very far. Yeah. And right, right, so right. when you when you make the cost of housing so so ludicrously unattainable. Of course you're going to have people who were lined down every street. It's yeah. a shocking violation of human rights. Yeah. And Absolutely. we allow this. These are all po- these are all conscious public policy decisions. We choose homelessness in this country. I mean, it's not an accident.
1: Well, when you when you look at the the you know, the first two states, California and New York, right? There's number 1 and number 2 in homelessness, and they're two of the most expensive places to live. Yep. You know, and New York, just looking at numbers recently, New York has the highest rate right now since The Depression, since the Great Depression, has the highest rate of of homelessness, New York City. It's it's crazy.
2: It's crazy. And when you look at where most funding for housing comes from, it's the federal government. Right. And what have we had over the past several years? We've had um, an administration that did a lot of cuts. And then a Congress where we haven't been able to get any increases through. Uh, If you'll remember um, the Build Back Better um, package that the administration was... That had $150 billion of housing in it. That would have been one of the single largest investments in housing that we could have Mm -hmm. really built a lot of of units with that. But it never made it in because we can't afford it. And so so we have nothing. And so what we continue to do is we have rents that continue to go up. We have wages that are rising for some folks modestly, Mm -hmm. but for a lot of folks have been stagnant. And so again, it's the difference between what people earn and what rent costs and we're not funding any of that in the middle. So that's why we've got home. So this is where, you know, when we talk about addiction being the issue, that's a red herring and that takes our eyes off of what really needs to happen. It's it's in housing. It's not. Now, obviously, we need to be changing access to to treatment. You know, only only one person who has a substance use um, disorder is in treatment. And nine mm-hmm. people were not. And that's mm-hmm. largely because we've made it really hard to get treatment and we've stigmatized the hell out of it. So, right. you know, God forbid you would want to, um, but not really be able to because your family disapproved or what have you. Wow. Exactly. So, yes. I, so not, not to discard, not to disregard those issues, but really to bring the focus back to the cost of housing.
0: Housing. Yeah. And, you know, being from New York, you know, I remember I, we had a, I just Got lucky and got into an apartment that was a rent stabilized apartment. Oh,
2: nice. There yeah. you go.
0: And it was in a uh, it was in a fancy doorman building, actually. Oh. And Tina Tina Fey lived there, by the way. Very
2: fancy.
0: Yeah, it was. And um, moving but, on, but on up. One <laughs> day. No, you <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but one, one day, but there was a piece of paper on the in the hallway, and I picked it up, and it just happened to be a an opened rent thing. I need somebody. One of the, uh, the apartments there. It was $12,000 a month, what they were paying in the building that I was living in. Now, this was back um, 15 years ago, 20 years right. ago. No, actually 20 years ago, because I wasn't even married. So 20 years ago. Um, 12000 And I just remember thinking, what could those possibly be today? Well, I know yeah. what they are, because I'm a real estate agent in New Jersey. And um, right. when I was, selling, I was renting apartments for $6,000 a month two bedroom apartments. It's just obscene. And I don't the audacity that anybody would charge that and and not even that, but the audacity that somebody would even pay it. I'm more upset with the ones that pay it than the ones that, because if they're, they built it and they would come, okay, fine. But why would somebody pay that? You know, and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better despite things not improving financially for individuals. And that seems to be the, the really frightening thing. And this is why, you know, I t- tell my wife, you know, we got to put some money aside. Got to get a, got to get a piece of land. You got to maybe build a little shack, <laughs> just because I want to. I want to just. I feel insecure right. overall. That and I have been homeless, so I guess I have that thing, you know. And uh, and I told my wife, I said, listen, if I have to grab that guitar and sit in the corner and play for twelve hours a day, I will do it just to avoid. Not having my, you know, my my kids, uh, not have a home, you know, I would do it. Um, can you talk a little bit about the education that we're, um, you know, because we, in part of the national healthcare for the homeless council is part also education, right? Mm-hmm. And that education in building, um, in what you were just saying, how can we better educate individuals? On what's currently happening, because it doesn't like our show. Right? You've said about ten things today, and I'm like, holy crap! I'm <laughs> like, why isn't this on the news? Right. You know, like right. every day. You know, why are we listening to to whatever's happening on the news? Um, how can we better educate as as a council?
2: As a council?
0: Well, just as as those that are in the know.
2: I see. A lot of this is really making connections to the issues that that your friends and family are probably already addressing like struggling for rent is is hardly a a unique um feeling to a lot of folks right and so it's this idea of um i think how is it that we see commonality in the struggles that we have there's a lot of people who are struggling to afford health care and and not all of them are poor um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks who are worried about making mortgage next month um they understand they, they should understand struggle even though they're not a renter and so this idea of you know being being unstable feeling precarious not knowing what's going to happen next these are hardly unique feelings across lots of different groups in this country right. and i think one of the things i would love we talked about this idea of purpose and connection to others earlier right. and one of the things that i really think can help us move through this the kind of the the, the sea of noise is really having authentic connections to other people and just Mm. say, I see your struggle and your struggle is also my struggle. And I think too, and and I think to put a finer point on it as well is, and if I have caused some of your struggle, then how is it that I can, how I can take responsibility for that? Mm. And so, you know, having these conversations um, and I think, particularly as a white woman, um, in a space where we need to be anti-racist, it's not enough to just, you know, say, "Oh, I'm I'm a decent person." You've got to be working toward ownership and responsibility. So I just think having more honest conversations where we're reaching people where they're really having authentic feeling, and then connecting our struggles so that we see, "Hey, we are all wanting the same thing for ourselves and our family," and how do we transcend that? So. I'm sorry if I went like too philosophical on you. No, we
0: we love this. This
1: (laughs) Yes, we we get in there. Yes, absolutely.
2: But yeah, when you think about like, how do we educate ourselves? I think we educate ourselves by paying attention and listening to each other. Yes. And then connecting. How is it? What is it that we want? And how do we move forward in a collective way um, that doesn't feel adversarial where, you know, there's this idea of just your, your loss has to be my gain or my gain has to be your loss. Right. And how is it that we kind of change how we relate? Oh, I'm terribly, I'm terribly philosophical. This is what happens when you get oh, me close to
0: 9 I No, this is, uh, this is awesome. This is uh, what we love. And, no. you know, at the end of the day, it's always going to be connecting with people. I mean, that is why we're on this planet, you know, and we talked about purpose a lot on this episode, which I think is, is really great because, you know, George and I talk about this also, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when I, when I. You know, take that last breath. I want to be able to say, okay, I, my life meant something. There was a, a a meaning to it. I left things better than when I arrived. You know, I, I created the campsite
2: something. rule to life.
0: Right. You know, and I just think that that to me is really, if we could instill that, you know, into the conversations that we have, like you said, you know, and really get in there and really know what their what that struggle is. And, you know, we can't always just know exactly what everyone is going through. We're all individuals. But we can definitely dive in and, and get as much as we possibly can to really make a, a, a well-formed idea of something that we want to contribute to, uh, uh, you know, some, some type of platform that we could uh, really contribute to. And I think that for the most part, people want to help, you know, mm-hmm. you see people that want to help. But yeah. are they helping? and do they know how to help you know and i think that's also something that falls under education it's like well you want to help go vote you want to help oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a soup kitchen uh every sunday that needs right. people they're there. Right. you know right. you want to help do that you know what i mean those kinds of things and and maybe even have a list on a website want to help want to help.com you know and people just go to this and they could just click off things and it'll go here this is your occasion we need somebody here and and I think that will pr- provide that connection that you're talking about because that is really the only way we're going to come out of this. it's us helping right. each other you know helping, helping others, others. Wow that's and I
2: think being engaged to say to speak truth to power too because I think a lot of this is about people claiming power that they right. have not previously claimed and I don't mean mm-hmm. just like voting. You know yeah, we're right. coming up in the midterm election you know what about a third of, of eligible voters generally vote in a midterm um you know i mean the world is run by people who show up and people right. who yeah. show up to the polls specifically yep. so it's yep. the kind of thing where you know this engagement in your community and not stopping just with voting but how are you participating in interaction with your elected officials do you yeah, write right. to them? Do you even like know their names? Right. Uh, the people exactly. who decide what your life is, you should know who they are.
0: Right. You should. And have so a- hey,
2: everybody, there's a, an election coming up next week, if you yeah. haven't heard. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and a lot of states offer same day uh, registration. So, right. uh, yeah. and voting. So uh, check your rules, but please turn out because there's a lot of things that really impact people people's lives. Yeah. Um, and, study not, really, and not just federal, but lots of stuff.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And study the issues yes. going in there. Yes. You know, it's like study yeah. the, the candidates. You know, I mean, I learned that when I was in Bayonne because I was like, oh, yeah, this person is Candid for this. For but wait a minute. Right. That person is not for, wait a minute, hold right. on. They're on the right. same ticket, but they got two different. Hold on one second. You know, it's like, and you get, you educate yourself, and then you can make a really uh, a good call for the you sake know. of your family in the future.
2: People will put more thought into what Netflix um, film that they that they picked exactly. Exactly. Their their Congress, the congressional representative, or their their school board lead, or somebody like that. Like, hey, these are folks who are making decisions for you. They're gonna have a long impact. You should know who they are. And read read RTFM. Read read the read the FM manual. Right. Uh, This is how our system (laughs) works. You gotta know yeah. the rules, otherwise the system's gonna play you. Like people right. aren't wrong when they're frustrated and, and they aren't wrong when they think that the system is like rigged against them. They're not wrong. Right. It's just that if you read the manual, you'll know how to fix it.
0: Right. Yes. Right, right. Okay. You just I'm have a better saying. idea of how to approach how to right. approach it. Instead of exactly. being blind, you will have a no.
2: Or manipulated by others. And George, you talked about the role of the media um yes. coming right. out. Yep. And exactly. So, how is it that you have a better, better nose for um, what's really going on?
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: What's going on?
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> this has been—it's 52 minutes, Joyce. We've wow! Been-
1: <laughs> it's like this show just flies by. It's amazing. What
0: just man. happened? Holy cow! This has been really amazing, Barbara. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, before we we uh, we go, I want to—one of the things that we always uh, ask our guests is at the end. We always Again, the last two years have been very challenging for for a lot of people. Um, Do you have any words of, I won't say advice, but just some words of encouragement to our audience? Anyone out there that's going through something that how they can actually take charge of their life if they're
2: stuck? Purpose, Purpose,
0: right? Purpose. Purpose. All,
2: All I would say is that everyone in this community matters. And if you're out there and you're feeling alone or you're feeling like you don't know where to turn, You have got an army of people who love you and want to support and help you. And how can you just reach out and engage in your community, Um, connect with people? We've talked a lot about connection tonight and we've talked a lot about, you know, really having authentic interactions with other people. And so how is it that we're doing that at the individual level? And how is it that we're voting and getting engaged at at the community level and really starting to see more macro level changes as well as living our own purpose for our own individual change. So I'm just seeing this kind of individual action as well as community movement uh, that I think we can engage in together. And I think moving through this with humility and love, I think is really going to help us be stronger in the end.
0: Love it. What what can I add to that?
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: (laughs) Barbara, thank you so much for your time. This has been oh. such an honor. Please, uh, we're we're at the end of our season this year, but we'd love to have you back again. And love uh, to come
2: back. George, John, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun discussion tonight. Uh,
0: thank well, you so much. Pleasure. Great. Pleasure. Our pleasure. Thanks. Have a good night.
2: You too.
1: Wow. Well, you see, I mean, we educate we have fun, we educate, and, you know, it's just... But that last
0: the piece, world. that last that, piece, that was you know, connection, I mean, that was just the thing to me, you know, that, and that's really, you know, whenever you talk to anybody, you can talk about people getting angry, they're all, they're this and they're that, but if you don't know the policies, if you have not, if you right. haven't taken the time to really understand the issues, if you exactly. haven't taken that time to really connect with those individuals, like you yes. said... You know, it's like, what what are you doing? You know, that's really what it is. It's really us connecting as as humans and having that purpose, Perfect. helping each other, you know, with love and humility. It's beautiful. I love it. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate you very much. Thank you, George, for uh, showing up. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. I'm <laughs> Well, thank you all for uh, for tuning in. This has been really a great one. We're really excited uh, to have Barbara on here. So we'll see you all again next week, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For Counterparts, George Batista, I'm John Henry Soto. We'll see you. And as always.